Hello and welcome to another edition of the Standard Room Only Podcast. Well, talk to you guys on a Wednesday morning. I am Ben Standard, the host of this year's podcast, the uh, Washington football team uh, insider reporter for The Athletic. I uh, hope you guys are doing well. Happy holidays to everybody. Crazy time of, of year, especially during a, a pandemic. I'm sure everybody's busy. Just just uh, stay stay calm, stay good, take care of yourself, take care of everybody around you. And uh, speaking of crazy times, how about that Washington football team? There's a lot to discuss. Obviously, the Dwayne Haskins news uh, came out on Tuesday about him uh, putting himself in, in, a, in a rough position with regards to COVID-19 uh, exposure, perhaps, and what it means for the team, put his team in a tough position. With two games remaining in the season, the huge game Sunday against the Carolina Panthers, which is now a 4:05 kickoff, by the way, for those of you scoring at home. And uh, it's going to be really interesting to see what, what unfolds with that. I'm going to get to Dwayne Haskins in a moment. The My guest today, the great Liz Clark from the Washington Post, we got into the other uh, big news that's been going on uh, yesterday and the last few days with regards to Dan Snyder, the ownership, this report of a of a $1.6 million settlement that he made to a woman that was fired um, from or, or from, from the organization over alleged charges uh, assessed on Dan Snyder. But this is on top of the backdrop of the uh, three minority owners trying to uh, get out from their shares with the team, taking Dan Snyder to court. There's a lot going on, and Liz was great. We talked we talked at length about what's going on, and I hopefully tried to ask the questions that you guys would want to know from her. Uh, we'll get to all that here in just a moment on the Standard Room Only podcast. If you guys haven't subscribed yet, you can do so at Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, all those fun places. You can, of course... Follow me on Twitter at Ben Standing. And in terms of subscribing, I definitely want to say, obviously, many thanks to those who do subscribe to The Athletic. If you don't already and you're kind of stuck on the on the holiday uh, present at this time of year, the Christmas present, The Athletic has a deal. You can buy a subscription for yourself and get one free to give to someone. So you can check that out over on The Athletic. Um, let me get to the Dwayne Haskins things here, and then we'll, we'll get into to, to, to Liz. Look, uh, by now you probably know the basics, but essentially Sunday after the game, Dwayne Haskins went to, um, he went out after the game. Um, he went out in a situation where he was maskless. He was with other people, uh, those other people, some of whom appeared to be strippers. Um, it was apparently not at a strip club as reported. Um, it's been it's been reported that he was at a, a at a restaurant in town, had, had a private room, and um, I, I believe I want to say the the Washington Post reported uh, re- reported some of this. Um, and <laughs> look, the, uh, the this is not a, a judgment about his, his his decisions or moral or sorry about his moral choices per se. This is about the basics. He was caught out with people who are not part of the team and sort of as best this as best the team can put everybody in this safe bubble he was seen maskless which is going to conceive you know likely throw his status into uh this game this week into jeopardy in part because of the just the basic testing protocols if these pictures had never come out and he had just done this who knows i don't know if he tests positive for COVID, but it's you know he put himself in a position 
where he possibly could, especially since I, you know, at least typically when those of us who are out, I mean, I pretty much uh, <laughs> live in a bit of a hermit life over here, but you know, in the rare instances in which you're out with um, anybody that you're in some space where you're not wearing a mask, presumably you're either A, the people you know and trust, or B, it's, you know, in the best situation, um, you know, possible. And I don't think that was, I think it's fair to say that that was not the best situation possible to put oneself in. And who knows if, if who knows if this could have led to an outbreak if Dwayne Haskins um, had been around the team and these pictures hadn't gotten out and just hadn't told anybody. Um, now, back this up for, for a second, just in terms of the team and the game. The game is Sunday, obviously. Dwayne Haskins started this past game against uh, the Seattle Seahawks obviously had a better fourth quarter than he did the first three. I wrote about kind of the polarizing aspect of where we're at with him on the athletic, but he started because obviously Alex Smith was out with a calf injury. Now we'll find out more today, Wednesday, when I when we head out to practice, if Alex Smith is out there taking first team reps. If he can, if he can go this week, then a lot of what we're going to discuss is not that big of a deal. Alex Smith is, it's not that big of a deal for the team right now. Alex Smith is obviously the guy who will start. Ron Rivera confirmed that, of course, the other day. Not, not a shocker there. The offense is simply more efficient, can, can be can do more things with Alex Smith in there than it than it can with Dwayne Haskins. But if Alex Smith is unable to go, well, then it's back to Dwayne Haskins, but that is assuming he's able to play, both in terms of the COVID testing, but also, more specifically, I think, to what Ron Rivera chooses to do. I think Ron Rivera is in a very difficult spot right now. On the one hand, there's a playoff afoot. The the Washington football team, um, you know, at, at a very basic level, can win um, its last two games and clinch the NFC East title its first since 2015. Even winning one game might be enough depending on what happens with the Giants. In fact, if the Giants play at the Ravens Sunday at 1 o'clock, by the time Washington kicks off at 4.05 on Sunday, they already made it. They may know that if they win that game, they are in the playoffs. And after everything that's happened this year, um, on and off the field, it would be an incredible accomplishment for these guys to make the postseason. Whether you're talking about rookie like like Chase Young or Cameron Curl, whether you're talking about vets uh, like Morgan Moses and Ryan Kerrigan, huge deal. Ron Rivera, of course, has gone through an incredibly crazy year personally with his cancer. Uh, situation and then just you know running this organization and what an accomplishment it would be regardless of what the record is and you know what what they could do in the postseason against some of the top teams in the conference an amazing achievement to win the division that's in the balance what's also though is that Ron Rivera has come in here talking about culture change and that's a term that can mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people but I really I think at a very basic level for Ron Rivera it means we're going to do things a certain way here. We're going to explain to you what this means to be a member of this Washington football team and what we expected of everybody to pull together to win, to pull together uh, for each other, what you need to do for yourself to put yourself in the best position. And that probably even goes more so for people in a leadership spot who are captains and and and, and so on, which includes the quarterback. And look, this is, and I think if he lets Dwayne Haskins play, I think you can say, well, Culture gets to a point, but then you have to make certain decisions. Now, it should be noted, I don't know all the details about what happened with Dwayne Haskins' situation, and nor does anybody else, but, you know, on the surface, it doesn't look great. He's already come out, you know, to apologize, meaning Dwayne Haskins. So, um, so there's, uh, my, my cat is in the background, if you can hear that, apologies. Uh, <laughs> but uh, Dwayne Haskins, 
you know, he's come out and apologized. This is not a good look for Rivera. And this is also not his first his first offense. And this is where the people who are telling me, or I see on Twitter and elsewhere, this is no big deal. Are you sure about this? <laughs> because if you want to say in isolation, this isn't a big deal. Okay, maybe you have a point in that, like the Houston Texans apparently had a several players who attended quarterback Deshaun Watson's restaurant opening the other day, caught maskless. And from that, the team fined the players, including Watson. He was fined $7,500. Other players faced some, some, some fines, but there were no suspensions. Now, I don't know anything about the Houston Texans uh, situation. I don't know if they've had, you know, if Deshaun Watson or others have had uh, significant uh, other lapses over the course of their time there, whether involving COVID or other factors, I don't know. So I can't compare it, say it's an apples to apple situation. But what I do know is that Dwayne Haskins already had a COVID violation this year that got him fined, uh, I don't want to say nearly $5,000 um, when Washington played at the New York Giants. Uh, this year, he was apparently arranging to have a, a relative stay at the team hotel that got squashed, but nonetheless, he was fined because of, 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 the, of the lapse of judgment there. Um, you know, I go back to last year with the selfie. Look, I'm, I made it, I, you can find it all over the place. I said it was a big deal that that happened. I could not comprehend a high school quarterback walking off the field, not knowing that the game wasn't not over yet to take pictures with fans. I, I, my take at that moment was, it is a massive lapse of judgment. It is a big sign of immaturity. And it's not even just that like, well, kids, he's young, he'll grow out of it. I just don't think that's the type of thing that people, I, I, it's so odd. I don't know if that's something you do grow out of. It seems to me more than just a maturity thing. This was my take. Then I'm pretty sure I said this on the, um, on, when the Athletic had the uh, uh, D'Angelo Hall, Aaron Hawksworth podcast. I believe that happened to be one week I guessed it on that show. They didn't have me enough on that program. Would have been better if they did. Uh, <laughs> uh, but, um, so this is to me, isn't just an isolated incident. This is an ongoing issue. And by the way, this connects also to when the Jay Gruden staff, you know, when we heard about that, they questioned this kid's focus and dedication when it came to um, reading the playbook. And that was part of the reason why there were issues earlier in the year about getting him on the field because he wasn't, he wasn't ready. When Ron Rivera spent the, you know, going into training camp, you know, spent all those months, he's talking about Dwayne Haskins growing up, being a leader and so on. When we got to training camp, that was a, a lot of what Rivera was talking about. And he did see, he claimed he saw signs of that growth, but when he got, when he benched Haskins, after week four, yes, it was about the play. Yes, he it was about Rivera seeing the schedule. W w there was an opportunity there with a schedule coming to get some wins. And at the NFC East looked like it was, uh, you know, falling apart as it turned out, as it turned out to be that it was winnable. But there was also, you know, things about what, what, what Haskins w w was doing. I and others reported that he was apparently bragging in the locker room um, after one of those games about his, uh, fantasy football type statistics. Um, and, you know, at some point you have to grow up. Now, look, he is still a young man. What is he, 23? I am way older than him. And if you looked at my life in, 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 in certain ways, disaster. <laughs> okay. I wouldn't want somebody to come in here and, and say, boy, Ben, you know, you, you, you know, why, why don't you clean out the dishes? Why are the dishes in the sink? That's a, that's a sign of immaturity. And that probably is. Why haven't you, uh, you know, why not this? Why not that? And that's all true. But that's how I handle my life as, a, as an individual. This is not me being part of a team. 
he's not obligated to play quarterback. Ron Rivera's not obligated to play Dwayne Haskins at quarterback. It's a privilege for all of these guys to be in the position they're in. And to be clear, it's a privilege for me to be in the position I'm in at the Athletic. I definitely am grateful, especially in this crazy year where people in my industry, people around the country have lost their jobs, that I have this job. And I definitely have I've been trying to be more grateful about my the world around me this year in particular because it is so crazy and it helps it helps stabilize me a bit, but also just recognizing it for what it is. It, it, things are crazy and, you know, appreciate what you have. Dwayne Haskins does not appreciate what he has right now. He was in the absolute doghouse, right? He, got, he gets benched. He only gets back in because two quarterbacks get hurt. He goes out, you know, not much of a performance through the first three quarters. I think, you know, the questions about where he where he is long term for this organization um, remain. And frankly, that's one of the things that's so frustrating about this. He had the opportunity in that game to put himself back in the discussion for a 2021 quarterback, if not the starter, then at least a long term possible answer. If he went out there and showed not even just so much the play on the, 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 the passing, the, you know, the, uh, the the reading of the defense and things like that, but the, the the leadership, the maturity to go out there and and be the guy that this team can rally around. And as I said, in the fourth quarter, he did some better things, right? Two touchdowns. Washington scored two touchdowns. They rally from twenty from twenty trailing twenty to three to uh, getting to twenty to fifteen. Had a chance on the last drive where they, where they were driving into Seattle territory, and then obviously things fell apart when Seattle sacked him uh, twice on the last drive. But that aside, to then have that performance and think that he's gonna go that you're gonna go out and 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 do what he did, I I don't know, man. I I, I again I'm not condemning the young man as a person. I'm not saying he can't be an NFL quarterback one day. I'm just saying please don't tell me, well it's not that big of a deal. Everything is not that big of a deal if you just keep saying that over and over again. And at some point it is. Now whether whether Ron Rivera I've seen some people say they should just flat out cut him. Look, I think if you want to make an example, if he really wants to push the culture button and decides he's not going to play him this the, this week or next, I think you can make that case. I mean, at this point, what are we talking about with the trade? Nothing. And this is we, I know people want to say the the Washington football team ruined his uh, trade value. Well, I, we can we can debate that, but Dwayne Haskins did not help the cause with this action, and I don't think I don't know if they can get anything of significance. I mean, at best, a, a, a late day three pick maybe. So if that's if that's does Ron Rivera look at that cost and think, well, you know what, I would rather b- build on the culture of my team and make it abundantly clear to everybody involved where this is not going to be tolerated, that would send a big message. I doubt it's going to go that far. You know, there is a little bit of a cut off your nose to spite your face thing, in- including going with benching them. And that's what's going to be so interesting to see. What does Ron Rivera do? It'll be fascinating. I don't know if we'll get the answer on Wednesday. By the time you hear this, maybe we will. Uh, if not. Then, you know, and, and I guess I didn't even mention the issue really is that if Alex Smith can't go and Dwayne Haskins is not available, what are you left with? Undrafted free agent Steven Montez and recently added Tyler Heineke as your quarterbacks. Rivera told us on Sunday that Montez would have been the backup um, if if Haskins, or was the backup, I should say, if Haskins was unable to go. Can you imagine if Washington season comes down to an undrafted free agent who hasn't taken a real snap since 2019 because it was no preseason games? That would be amazing if for, if the season came down to that. For, for all the people involved, I hope it doesn't. But at the same time, it is a fascinating spot for Ron Rivera to be in. 
And it's because Dwayne Haskins, in this case, put him in it. And I think that's what makes it so interesting, both in terms of what Rivera has to do and also the reaction to those who think it's not that big of a deal. I'm going to have to really disagree with you on that, just like I did a year ago with the selfie. All right. Uh, that said, let me get into my conversation with Liz Clark. Now, uh, of course, you can follow Liz on Twitter at Liz Clark Tweet. Uh, Liz and I talked at length. I ended up, it was a lousy interview job by me. I went back and put in too much. Um, I acted basically, I guess, as if, as if nobody had was up to date on kind of where, uh, uh, was aware of the past issues going on with Dan Snyder in terms of the harassment, uh, uh, the, the allegations of sexual and workplace harassment inside the, the, the organization that stemmed back to this summer in terms of the, the reporting of it. Um, up, upwards of 40 women have come forward uh, who have said that, that while working there, that they were sexually uh, or, or harassed or just harassed within, within the workplace to, to varying degrees. But that also includes a few people outside the organization, like my colleague at The Athletic, uh, Rhiannon Walker. Um, we got into some of the various revelations that have come out in recent days. Uh, the, the, there was a court, uh, the Washington Post uh, went to court to have some documents of, uh, released to the public, documents pertaining to a case involving Dan Snyder and the three minority owners who were looking to sell their shares, Robert Rothman, uh, Fred Smith, and Dwight Shar. They own 40% of the team. Dan Snyder and his family own the other 60. Um, within that, within that, uh, those filings was this really <laughs> fascinating text from this guy, John Moog, who is a, um, uh, well, let's just say he's a, a, a big wheeler and dealer who's, who's uh, in the finance world, who does done a lot with uh, franchise uh, uh, sales of, uh, of teams um, in, in various sports. And you've read that text. Go read that text that, you know, go, if you haven't already, go, go read it in the post or um, New York Times or, or, or wherever. Uh, and of course, subscribe to papers, by the way, it's also very important, but, you know, uh, but anyway, so I laid out a bunch of that, but I, I decided, you know what, I'm going to edit out some of that to take out me, try to leave more Liz in. So we still have a lengthy conversation. Uh, I think it's a good one. I think it gives a lot of granular detail. And towards the end of the conversation, I do get into some of the topics, including what does any of this mean about Dan Snyder's gr grip on this team? Does he, are, are we heading towards a path where he actually may have to sell at some point? So a, a fun conversation with Liz. I shouldn't say fun. It's fun for me because I love talking to Liz, but it's a tough conversation because of the of the topics involved. And, you know, it's it's one of these things that's getting played out publicly uh, now in the court in the court systems with these owners. And, and, and obviously it's about them, but it's really for all of us on the outside. It's about what's going to happen with this team. You know, can Washington ever get past the, all this constant Dan Snyderisms uh, that, that go on? I, I think the answer is probably no, but we'll see what happens. In any event, let me stop uh, there. Let me get to the, the fun conversation. And I should say uh, it was uh, Liz Clark, Will Hobson, and Beth Reinhardt on the byline for the Washington Post. So let me get into it uh, here. My, my conversation with Liz Clark on the Standard Room Only podcast. All right, so, so this is exciting. I, I, half the reason I started doing this podcast was to be able to talk to people that I like to talk to uh, because sitting in my house by myself for all these months is starting to drive me batty. And absolutely on the list when I said I've got to have the people on the podcast, Liz Clark, without a doubt, you are absolutely somebody that I've, 
I've missed uh, in life here with, with all this going on. So before we even get into everything that's going on with the football team and whatever else, how, how are you? Well, you're so sweet, Ben, and I'm so fond of you and admiring of, of your work in so many different sports, particularly the Washington football team you've done such a great job on. Um, and, and I miss the esprit of that press room uh, and, and the interesting characters we used to share that with, I'll tell you. Um, but no, I'm fine. In the scope of what people are dealing with in this pandemic, I have nothing but blessings. You know, I have a job and and my health and lovely neighbors, an awesome dog. So, um, you know, despite the isolation, you know, I live in a community part of DC where no one really is isolated, but there is still something seriously lacking about, you know, the human touch and, um, and the laughter and shared spaces and handling stress, the stress of our jobs. I know every job has their stressors, but the stressors of being a journalist, somehow when you're in a press room or a locker room or it's all better, you know, because it's kind of the shared angst, you know, <laughs> shared anxiety. So, uh, no, but I'm fine. And I hope you have been, you, 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 as best I can tell, you're doing great. Yeah. Uh, it's uh, smoke and mirrors over here. We're, 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 we're hanging in there. It's been ups and downs and, uh, you know, look, I mean, like you said, you know, grateful for uh, having a job and, you know, knock on wood, good health and all that stuff. So, uh, you know, you know, it could, it could be worse, but yes, it's definitely bizarre times for sure. And, you know, before yeah. we get into everything, like I typically ask the guests various rando sort of silly questions. And one of the, one of the ones randomly is things along the line, like, what's the, what do you miss the most about the being in the normal times and I don't know if it's number one for you but you as much as anybody else people who know you know about the Bruce Springsteen situation yeah. and the idea <laughs> of going going mm -hmm. to a concert and seeing and being around people in that way and I mean I, I oh my god I miss that so much I don't have the one act associated like you but I mean that I, I assume Bruce plays all the time I'm assuming by now you've missed two shows that he would have done if not six shows that you would have gone to, how much is are you missing, if not him specifically, but like just that type of, uh, you know, opportunity. For oh boy, I, let's do the podcast on this topic. But um, <laughs> no, so, no, so much. I love um, the performing arts. I, I'm a big theater geek and freak. I go to New York once a year, you know, for a theater trip. And happily, my theater trip last year was in February. So I got to see like, four awesome shows um but right as the curtain was falling you know on our public gatherings uh because I think Broadway came to a halt in mid-March as did so many things so so that uh, you know I have many friends who are in the arts who are struggling who have been without work and that just just tears me apart um you know it's a great I don't want to, I can't find the word. I, I, it's not anger, but I mean, I'm, I'm greatly dismayed that in the relief efforts our government has come up with these last eight months, there has not been a recovery plan for the arts, for the performing arts. Um, and, uh, and I hope our artists are shouldering through, you know, whether it's musicians or actors or 
scenic designers, costumers. Um, I think we're, we're all um, we're all diminished by by the absence, the inability to get together again, whether it's a, a rock concert or a, a seasonal holiday concert, um, a Fourth of July concert, and obviously people in certain places of the country have gathered. But I'm talking about safe, smart, uh, courteous for one another. Uh, gatherings, which is you don't do it. Uh, right. So, so I hope I hope that's part of what 2021 will bring. Um, but yeah, that's that's a big deal to me. I'm I'm very sad about about that. Yeah, my my, uh, my next door neighbor is in the Kennedy Center Orchestra. Oh, and, how wonderful! <laughs> yeah. So sometimes through the walls, I we're in a townhouse here. I'll hear him practicing. Oh. Back in the day when he he would have. Uh, he would uh, teach people how to play, whatever. And so I would get to hear it. And it was, you know, sometimes yeah. on a stressful day, it was kind of cool to have a guy, I you know, I think, I think he primarily plays like the cello or whatever. <gasps> but, but um, I love the cello. But, but, you know, but yes, I mean, I think about that all the time with him. Like, you know, he said, you know, he says he's all right, you know, blah, blah, blah. But yeah, I mean, he can't do what he wants to do. We're, you know, fortunately, I, I you know, I, I look at my other colleagues, just even in sports at the athletic, I've been lucky with the NFL. This pandemic started in March. I was already in the off season. By and large, the NFL was not affected, you know, a couple of minor yeah. tweaks, but they had the free agency, they had the draft, uh, they've had training camp, they had a season so far. Um, whereas I go to the other sports, you know, uh, I mean, uh, baseball has barely played. And I mean, like my colleague and your former colleague, like Tarek El-Bashir has, has covered like uh, he hasn't covered up game live since March or something like that. Yeah. Um, and so it, it's just weird how this has all worked. And I, I, actually, I will ask you this about sports yeah. broadly. Lot, sports all over the world have gone on to some degree, whether it's the NFL, NBA, tennis, golf, what have you. It's hard to point. They've all been very unique and different. What has stood out to you about this? It's been months now since we've gone through this and how sports have come back. What's kind of stood out to you about the way sports has come back, the way it's been handled, and and how you know, maybe what you thought going in versus kind of how things have played out. Because I know I didn't, I was very concerned and thought, well, this is going to be problematic. And some wishes, some ways it has been, but other ways, obviously, you know, it's, people have been, when smart, have been able to to get through things. Yeah, boy, that's so profound. I don't know. I mean, this, these are just totally scattershot thoughts. I think so much of professional sports in our country. Um, the engine is broadcast money. So the games will go on as long as there's a product to air. I mean, that was always why there was never a question, is the NFL going to have a season? There's just way too much money at stake. Um, and so many people build their Sundays or weekends around the NFL and you don't have to, you know, the, the way the revenue falls the revenue for the owners is not the, is not primarily the gate. It's it's primarily the share of the national broadcast. So, you know, I think it's sports that where the ratio is quite different, where the gate represents a whole lot and the broadcast revenue is a little bit. Those sports have really suffered. You know, the tennis is one of them. Um, it, it it's you need to put people people in the stands at the slams, and they've not been able to do that. You know, I wish I knew more about youth sports. I don't have children, um, but 
just at a gut level, I feel great remorse for, for young people, you know, whether it's grade school or high school, you know, for whom, you know, their, their sports reality is, is radically altered or, or it's unsafe and, and the issues of, for, for parents. And, um, you know, so I, I, I think that's a great, a great loss. I mean, no one wants to see young people stuck at home or spending days in front of the computer. And um, I mean, I live across the street from a wonderful park here in DC and, and there is a good bit of activity. There's a skateboard uh, area, there's basketball courts and there are kids out, but it's not, it's, it's not the, the electric, you know, I mean, from across the street, I could hear cheers of, of soccer games on the weekends uh, in normal times. And uh, we didn't have that this summer. So, um, but it's tough. But as far as what I expected, I mean, how has it played out versus what I expected? I can't even touch that because I had no idea what to expect. It was just so, so hard to believe. Uh, it, really, it really is. I mean, I know we're still living through this and obviously it's not, you know, until it's in until it's over, it's not over. This, you know, there's promise with this vaccine and, and all that, but you know, we'll see how things unfold. And then there's the whole, <laughs> there's the whole presidency thing going on as a side, as a separate issue. We're part of the issue, or a big part of the issue. But um, yeah, I mean, it's it, it really is still hard. This is easily the craziest year any of us have ever lived through. Uh, you know, barring some individual personal situation, and it's it's still hard to fathom that this is the scenario that we're in that we go wherever with masks and that we can't you know we can't easily gather like we said and <laughs> it's really it's, well the it's, mask it's to me is not remotely a big deal in fact I'm loving wearing a mask now in the cold because it's oh, yeah. like wow my face yeah. is warm so I'm all about the mask and I've never felt any resistance whatsoever I mean it's odd like oh I need to buy masks but yeah 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 um, you know, for any anybody who finds that an encroachment on life as we know it, I, I think you're kind of missing bigger encroachments, like hugging your friends when you see them. I mean, that it just pains me that um, that, that uh, the, uh, that's the, not part of my life right now. Yeah, no, I mean, that's the part that's so weird that, I mean, without getting over the, it's political about it is, if you want things to be back where you were, this is <laughs> then do this. This isn't that complicated. I mean, if everybody does this one thing, <laughs> it's gonna make it. It's gonna make it it's easier to get lot, back. Where we were. It's a lot easier than than putting on a seatbelt. And you know, I mean, there are certain things that we, as a as a culture, adapt to. I mean, just like we adapted to the fact that you don't smoke at your desk in an office. And then we adapted to the fact that you don't really smoke in a building period. I mean, things that you thought, you know, culturally would never leave the culture or pivots. People can make them, they make them all the time, you know, but this, this particular issue that's fairly benign and straightforward has become so tragically politicized, um, but yeah, yeah. anyway. Yeah, for sure. Well, let let me let me get into the uh, you know. There's many reasons I want you here, but obviously you're with with your colleagues, the Washington Post, or, or you know, on top of all things kind of going on with the Washington football team off the field. Uh, and you know, there, there was a, you guys had an article out today. We're talking on Tuesday that I want to get into. And and but look, sure. this is the, <laughs> all these topics have been going on now for months uh, with, with regards to Dan Snyder in in lots of capacities and certainly don't have time to go through all of it. 
So I just wanted to go through a few things that are happening now in the less than the last few days and get your sense. Um, uh, off the top, obviously, there's, I guarantee there'll be some things I'm asked. You're going to be like, dude, <laughs> ixnay on the talk say, I, I can't discuss it. And, and, that, and you'll tell me where, where, where sure. that is. And, and, sure, and I'll I, do my best. And thank <laughs> you for understanding that. And yeah. if I make and if I make some comment that is like, uh, yeah, you've just you've said that wrong, uh, you know, legally or whatever, please, please uh, correct me. Um, what do you say about what? What can you tell us about this article today? Why is today's situation significance uh, to this problem? One thing I do want to say at the outset: the settlement that we reported was from 2009. Um, again, 1.6 million paid by the team to a female former employee um, over an allegation, a charge uh, against Snyder. Well, let me pause there. The, the settlement was paid to the woman by the team. Um, this, as part of the settlement, there was no um, acknowledgement of wrongdoing by Dan Snyder. So there's, there's no acknowledgement that anything improper happened. Um, the fact that it was settled, the whole point was to put the issue, you know, to take it off the table, to, to satisfy both parties, it ends, goes away, that's why it's confidential. Um, you know, common sense would tell you there's going to be two sides of the story, what did or did not happen in 2009 on this flight. Um, and I, I, so I want your listeners to know that we did our best to get both versions or both accounts, certainly from, from Mr. Snyder's side, and we were unable to get that explanation. But I think that the key thing here is there was no admission of wrongdoing. Um, it, it was intended as a confidential settlement, and neither side has spoken um, to, to, to us. Um, so the, the revelation of the settlement comes against, against a backdrop of you know, at least four legal actions and, and one NFL arbitration that I can think of off the top of my head. And I don't wanna bog this down into a, a legal recitation, but, but so the suit brought against Beth Wilkinson in November was an effort and that suit was filed under seal. So there are no, public has no right to see what this suit is about or, or any details. Um, there, there were objections from Beth Wilkinson's side about what could and should be made public. The Washington Post um, intervened over the public's right to see some of this information. So, Yes, some information is coming out about this case and the underlying issue based on what has come out about the case is uh, revolves largely around a settlement from 2009. Um, and so this connecting the dots, the settlement that we reported on today um, seems, seems to align with the settlement at the heart of the Beth Wilkinson the lawsuit she's facing over um, what of this information can be um, transmitted, or I, I hate to say made public because she she's not going to make her report public, but she answers to the NFL. Um, so in that 
it was also, a, it's referred to as a 2009 settlement. There are five signatories, five people signed onto the deal. The, the settlement we reported today had five people signed onto the deal. Um, what was not in any court filing and it had not been reported was the amount, again, 1.6 million. Um, so, does that, I don't, I, if I ask if that number surprised you, I, I, I don't, I mean, I'm not, I don't know, sure. I don't really know. Did, did that, to the outside, it seemed like a big number. It, was that number when you, when you heard it, was that a surprising number or? You know, I have no basis for, for judging, largely because I don't work in a corporate um, arena. You know, we're journalists, so we, we don't have as many zeros after, but I mean, just something all of your listeners can relate to. If that's a buyout for a college football coach, is that a big number or not? It's, it's not a big number, you know. So I, it's I I don't know. I I didn't really have a reaction to that, and it it it, it, it is what it is, you know. I I, I don't. Um, but you know, there was no acknowledgement of of any wrongdoing as part of the settlement. So. There are there's a lot going on in the court system, and there's a lot of there are many lawyers here, and there's a lot of money at stake. the The Washington football team is valued at three point five billion. Um, Forty percent of that would be one point four billion. It, if it's sold as minority shares, meaning you don't have a voting say, it would be discounted. It would be worth maybe nine hundred million, maybe one billion. These are numbers we, we can't relate to. And it's incalculable, the actual value of this franchise and having a stable ownership um, to this market, to this community. It, it, there's not a dollar figure what the franchise means. And that is why it's, it's important, you know, is the ownership stable? Is, you know, at the moment, and I'm sure you, you'd rather have a podcast segment on this. At the moment, the team the team is doing great on the field. I mean, in a in a crappy division, admittedly, they are doing what is required to be leading the division. That's, that's there's a lot of reasons to cheer for the product on the field. Um, there's a coach who has made enormous strides in in changing. Uh, I mean, changing the culture is such a can can mean a lot of things. But I think anybody who watches football can definitely tell this, the culture of this team, there's a lot of grit there. There's a lot of, you know, not quit. You know, there's a toughness to the defense that we haven't seen. So, so it's in, in many ways, it's a great moment for the franchise on the field. Um, if you follow who's running the team front office wise, that also, there's been a lot of change there that, that shows a lot of hallmarks of, of encouraging signs of changing the culture there. Um, but the quagmire, again, that's tedious to explain and it's difficult to understand. And I think for a lot of fans, they don't want any part of caring or knowing about it. I mean, the what's at stake is the, the present and future um, stability of the ownership of the team. And you have four billionaire owners here who are in court suing each other and it's acrimonious it's ugly um there was a filing last friday that spilled into monday about leaks 
you know, so now they're not necessarily talking about the issues, but they're talking about who's leaking and they're asking the judge to punish one another. So it's, I'd like to say, you know, six months into the Beth Wilkinson investigation, it seems to be winding down. X months into this, after the owner said they want to sell, that seems to be winding down. I am not sure. I don't have any basis for, for saying, but it just seems like one court filing is followed by another court filing by, by another court filing. And um, so, so yeah, I, I was gonna ask, a damn pity. I, I don't know how else to say it. It's, it's a shame. I, I was going to ask you, I'm obviously there's some sure way more going on behind the scenes that you, that you know about and can't discuss and that's fine. Correct. But like, if we're using this in terms of like a, a sports term, what, what, what quarter are we in with any of this? Do we yes, have any idea? That's a great, I, I surely don't know. I mean, I, I will say, um, from the moment the three co-owners went to federal court and sued Dan Flint Snyder directly, they angered the NFL that, that they broke protocol, to put it mildly. You're not supposed to do that, particularly when you have an arbitration underway. One thing we learned from some of these documents that were sealed is that the judge in November um, ordered the NFL to put its arbitration process on temporary hold because it's now in his court and he needs to figure out what's at stake here. Now, he may conclude this, this actually belongs in the NFL arbitration. This never should have been in my courtroom. So that's why I said temporary hold. It may go back that, that then um, that arbitration process, which is separate from the Beth Wilkinson NFL investigation, that that can continue. So each time you'd think progress is being made, it just in total lay terms, it seems like there's another legal complication, or in this case, this process is on pause while this new process plays out. Um, so, so I don't know. I'd say we're not in the fourth quarter. Um. <laughs> All right, fair, fair enough. Um, let me ask you a couple of specific questions. Again, you'll tell me if, if, you, th if, you, if you think you can uh, discuss or not. If you, you have any listeners left, people like you, they'll, they, they tolerate me. They're here for you, I promise. Oh, stop. Um, no, no, you, come on. You're, 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 you're the coolest. You're talking about a topic, you know. The, this is a difficult one to talk about because it, it's just. Yeah, no, yeah, for, for, for sure. I'm, I'm, I will do my best with you. You mentioned Beth Wilkinson is, is investigating the team. Originally, Dan Snyder hired her, then the NFL took over the investigation. Um, th with regard to this 2009 settlement, how does the NFL claim a thorough investigation into team culture without reviewing the facts of this allegation? I don't know that the NFL has claimed that, and and, and I'm I don't even think that's really the what you implied when you posed the question. Um, I don't even know that I can can answer that because I have no idea um, how you know. I I have no idea how much information and knowledge there is about this particular settlement um, as part of the Beth Wilkinson investigation, and. And, and, and even answering it that way implies that there is one agreed upon truth of, of what is at the heart of the settlement. And, and again, because there was no wrongdoing um, 
acknowledged, I, I would imagine that anyone who wades into this, again, uh, to the extent they can, would find um, different narratives of what did or didn't happen. You know, it's an, it's an alleged incident. Okay, um, Beth Wilkinson, I, I don't know who she is, but like once upon, once she entered my world, I, she's apparently a pretty high, high profile Washington lawyer. Somebody whose name I do know is uh, former Attorney General Loretta Lynch, who apparently today was hired by the NFL to be part of whatever is happening here with this situation. I mean, she's not just another lawyer. That's like a big deal. Does that signify anything to you about about where things are going? And if I well, it, I mean, it's so she's a former Attorney General of the United States, and she's now um, uh, or gone back to law practice in New York. And she's part of a firm that um, has has done a lot of work for the NFL over the decades. Um, and it's my understanding it was she's she was not brought into this role today. Um, she's been at this particular task for the NFL for a good bit of time. I think the Wall Street Journal had a story today um, saying that she was handling on the league's behalf an inquiry into um, claims that, that, that are part of the ownership schism. Um, did specifically, did one of the co-owners, Dwight Schar, um, try to, to plant false information that would in turn defame the owner? This is this is a, at the heart of, um, seems to be at the heart of, of one of, of Mr. Snyder's legal pursuits that there has been a conspiracy against him. Um, and the, 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 the argument being um, that it, the, the agenda here would be to raise the value of the asset if you're trying to sell the team. Uh, so I, I believe the Wall Street Journal reported today that 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 is what she has been brought in to investigate that that narrow aspect of that. Got it. Okay. Well, yeah, that just seemed like a, uh, I saw that. I was like, oh, that seems like a, a notable thing. Um, yeah. I mean, but so, so so to interrupt quickly, I mean, that's that's one example of just how incredibly high the stakes are in so many of these issues surrounding the ownership uh, and the, the state of this very important NFL franchise. Um, there was one in one of the suits, one of the legal filings um, that was made public, I counted up 19 lawyers that were copied on this, this legal document. So that's one filing. I mean, they're representing four different parties. So again, you have it. It's just there's a lot of power. There's a lot at stake um, here. Uh, absolutely. Uh, you mentioned before, and I think I kind of ran over this in my intro because I was uh, rushing through this, I guess. But so the the minority owners have found um, somebody, uh, uh, a couple people who are willing to buy the team to buy their forty percent. Uh, Snyder and his family said uh, own the other. 60. Snyder has the right of first refusal. And apparently in these court documents, I believe it said 
He's willing to buy the shares owned by Smith and Rothman, which is about 25%, but he's not willing to buy Char. Now, I don't know if there's been specif specification as to why. Uh, I guess the question from the outside, and this is where you're going to be like, yeah, I'm not going to go here. But I mean, is why, what, what would be the reasoning, if any, why he would be only willing to buy some, not all? Does he not, again, you probably can't know this, but does he not have the cash available? Is there something about Shar who, again, he's got these allegations that Shar may have been planting stories on him. Is there any reason as to why he supposedly is only willing to buy some, not all? Or is it um, so, so the, the basis of this question, you know, the fact that that Snyder, uh, I'm sorry, this is probably a bad way to start. So, so the co-owners in theory, if they want to sell, they can sell to anybody and they don't have to sell as a group. They can do what they want, except for the fact that the majority owner has the right of first refusal, right? It, and, and that's just, I have dibs. You know, if you're selling, I'm first in line, I get to buy it. So in a somewhat unusual move, the three co-owners from the jump said, we are selling our shares collectively as one unit. We are selling 40% of the team. That's why we want John Moog to represent us. That's what he does. He will find a buyer for 40%. And it was not in court documents that, that Snyder asserted the right of first refusal to buy two of the three owners, but not the third. That was reporting source, um, both in our paper and in another paper. Got it, okay. Right. So, but but that is our understanding. That, and, and that, in fact, is what led the co-owners to, to file to file the suit in November. I, I believe that their exact rationale, their argument was part that was blocked out, but that is what we understand is the issue that they actually went to the court to pose the legal question. I'm not to get too wonky and not to act like I'm a lawyer because it's clear that I'm not, but what they would be saying here is that, yes, you have a, a right of first refusal, but we're selling 40%. You, your collective right of, I mean, your right of refusal means you either buy what we're selling or not. Um, you don't have the right to cherry pick and say, I want one from column A and one from column B, but I don't want this. So I don't know what the answer, I don't know business law. I don't know what the answer to that is. And that is currently before the court. Um, I, I imagine, I mean, no doubt, uh, Mr. Snyder would have a reason for wanting to structure his right of first refusal in that way. Um, and I don't know what the, the reason is for saying, I want to buy Rothman and Smith out, but not Char. But it is clear that he has uh, a that there's there's a good bit of conflict um, between Shar and Snyder. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right, my last. I'm sorry. Question. Can I just add one footnote? Absolutely. Um, I'm sorry. I know what I want to say, but I'm. I want to be clear about where it comes from. You know, like the source of it, and and that's not always accessible to my brain. Um, So the New York Times reported 
and uh, we also reported because it, this fact was alluded to in one of the court documents in the past couple of days that Snyder most recently and, and presently <coughs> or a representative for Snyder has an expressed it has expressed an interest in buying out all three co-owners. So that issue we just spent time on, you know, why would he buy out two and not three? That the that reality may be shifting and that he's now saying or or someone representing him apparently is saying he is interested in buying out all three. And and so that, but there is no what the court document said is there's no offer sheet on the table, you know, that 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 seems preliminary, but that was alluded to that he may be moving off that point off that, which um which if he did, I, I can't see any possible reason that there would be a single barrier for his right of first refusal. It's pretty clear, I, I will buy you all out. Um, but what the terms of that might be, I, I have no idea. Gotcha, but by the way, like if I was in my journalism hat, I would have had to be more on top of where these, uh, where, these where this information came from, court documents, uh, reporting, my podcast had, I'm like, okay, I got to put some notes together. No, <laughs> I'm this saying together, that's so. your job. I'm just saying is I want to no, give I, proper credit where proper, where credit is due. You know what I mean? No, and, absolutely. And I said, oh, oh God, speaking of that, I made the biggest blunder of all. I have not acknowledged my awesome coworkers, Will Hobson and Beth Reinhardt, who are the first two violins on today's story and have, have really, you know, this, all the, at least the post reporting I'm talking about has yeah. been the three of us and, and they are outstanding and have been outstanding. And that's a real the, bad the, by me. No, no, I, 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 I mentioned all of you in the intro. So we're, we're, we're covering it. Yeah. The, well, oh, not the one, not the one, not so the one, good. well, not the one you heard, but the one that's recorded already. But it's oh, fine. good. <laughs> um, you covered up my bad. Thank <laughs> no, you. No. Here's the last question for me on this, and it's really probably the only one that any, most people listening to this really are interested in. And that is, what what's what's the end game here? Basically, I guess, is there, you know, based on what we know, and maybe even to some degree, I guess, what we don't, is there a point where anybody can imagine that the NFL would actually make Dan Snyder sell the team? I mean, whether he chooses to on his own, that's a separate issue. But like, is do do we think? Is there any path that, or or is there not? Well, I would not speculate, predict. I have no special insight whatsoever. But but what you know, a couple facts your listeners probably already know. But but if if this question is of interest to you, you might want to keep in mind the NFL has never done that in the history of the league. They have never forced an owner. Uh, enforces, you know, uh, I guess a, a, a gray area to, to sell a team. Um, they've never taken a vote on we're ousting this particular owner. The NFL, to be clear, is the owners. I mean, the commissioner works for them. He's a hired hand. The league right. is the 32 guys. So Dan Snyder is 132nd of the league. The league cannot make any decision. You know, the, everything they do is based on a three quarters majority. So, you know, that's my math is not so good. Maybe 24 
owners out of 32. It's, it's you know, that, that's a very high bar to change any rule, to, to sign any deal, to hire a commissioner, to, to move against a fellow owner. Um, there are some high, some high profile cases where owners have been um, sanctioned or, or, you know, fined by the NFL, but it has taken the form of, of fining, whether it's a million for this, a, a draft pick here. Um, I think the one that most comes to mind is Jerry Richardson of the Carolina Panthers, um, who no longer owns the team. I believe he was fined $2.5 million. Um, and he chose to sell his franchise, um, but he was not forced to sell his franchise that, as I understand it. And I know a lot of people believe he was forced, but that is not my understanding. He was fined. Um, he was planning to sell the franchise anyway, and he, he did so. So there's no precedent for kicking out an owner, taking, forcing anyone to sell. Um, and, uh, and I, there's so many moving parts here and there are certainly versions of, of events that have not been shared. Uh, and I, I have no idea what the NFL knows, um, much less what the NFL has come to conclude about what it has been told. Um, so well, I that to you to wonder about. Well, there, there's a lot to wonder. I mean, this story has been going on for, well, it feels like forever to some degree with Dan Snyder, it has been, but this one specifically, you know, the, the last few months and, you know, the last couple of weeks has really started to, uh, to, to pick up, business has picked up again on this front. So it'll be fascinating to see where you and your colleagues, uh, you know, kind of kind of take us uh, take us next. Um, was that, was that, was it, you, you were concerned that this was gonna be painful for you, was that okay? We're, we're still talking, was that okay? I love talking with you, Ben. You're the nicest and you're the funniest. You're smart. I just wish we were talking about something, you know. Do you have any do you have any do you have any thoughts on Dwayne Haskins? You know, it's just heartbreaking. I mean, it's just an, an incredible young talent. And um you know, wish him the best. The 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 it, you know, I, athletes mature at different ages, you know, in, in terms of physicality, you know, experience, savvy, and, and comportment, and, you know, being a team player, what does it mean to be a team captain? I mean, I, I think, you know, it seems like a two steps forward, one step back, narrative and there's obviously a lot of promise there and the young man and he's got a great uh, uh, I mean I, I think he's very lucky to to be playing for Ron Rivera and I think he's very lucky to have a teammate like Alex Smith and um, I don't cover the team these days I covered them eight years so I'm not you know, I'm very dated and, and rusty and who are the locker room leaders who, who. Well, I couldn't tell you who the locker room leaders are this year either. <laughs> I mean, it's tough. We're not, you're not in the locker room, but, but you know what I mean? It, it, but it's quite often not evident to fans 
and in and it's not always evident to reporters, but it should be. In other words, who who sets the tone in the locker room? Who who reaches out to young players and helps them figure out the difference between here here's how it's done in college and here's how we do it in the NFL. And no one knows how you do it in the NFL in a pandemic. I mean, that is talk about uncharted territory. This is very, very tough. So um, you know, today just tough news and and wish the best I and I that's all I, I guess I would say on that but no I it, it is painful for me to talk about difficult subjects with people's reputations at stake and I want to be as honest and transparent as I can as respectful as I can as accurate as I can and it it it's often quite a straight jacket to to walk so I don't know that this was at all entertaining for your listeners or enjoyable but I enjoy talking with you and um, appreciate you having me and wish you um, all the best and wish us all the best in a new year in the new year I've already kept you too long but can I ask you one random Bruce question yeah I, 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 as I said, I, I typically ask people a bunch of random questions that I won't burden you with, but here's the one random question for you with Bruce. I'm sure if I said to some degree, when this is all over, you could do anything. I'm guessing seeing Bruce live would be somewhere on your list. So if I tell you when this is over, you can go see Bruce, but you get to pick whatever venue you want. You get to hear one song where, where, what's the venue and what's the song? I think it would be Convention Hall in Asbury Park, maybe, or the Stone Pony. That would be even better. This is really going in the way back. Um, I think the one song would be Incident on 57th Street. Nice. Why that one? Yeah. Well, why would you pick that one? Oh, why? Why? Um, oh, it, you know, I, I'm just, it's very hard for me to say a favorite song. Um, but I mean, that song has got to be almost 40 years old. <laughs> um, no, I, I just love that song. I think it's a beautiful song and it's rarely performed live. He rarely does it live. And I, but I've been there for some of those and it's just transcendent, I think, or maybe, well, there are so many answers to this that that would be a gut. But you know, it depends like the occasion, if if it and who I'm with and like what what kind of vibe or mood you want. But that to me is is just poetry. Um, incident. No, but see, incident would not be good at the pony. You know, at the pony, that should be a party song. I mean, that, in other words, people are standing up. You, you, it's it's. I made like a mash of things that are important to me that actually when put together, they don't make sense. Uh, so th this is my joke answer. So you mean you want to hear Dancing in the Dark at the Pony? I'm, I'm kidding. I'm pretty sure you want to you want to vomit when you hear that song, right? Well, no, I'm not going to say that, that we're talking about Bruce. But no, I don't want to hear Dancing in the Dark at the Pony. Um, you know, I'd want to hear. OK, I want to hear Dizzy Miss Lizzie at the Pony. I mean, okay. that's fun. That would be fun. Oh, all right. Well we'll, yeah. well, we'll we'll see what we can. I'm big into manifesting thing these days, so we're gonna see if we can manifest both the pandemic ending and 
you, you your ability to go see him there at the Stone Pony and uh, that song being played. We're, we're going to work on that. It's called Dizzy Miss Lizzie. It's a Beatles song. Me 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 me. You don't you know that song? I, I I don't know most songs by their name. I'd have to hear it. I'm I'm very I'm not very good at good that. Good God, educate yourself, young man. I've actually been listening to a lot of the Beatles lately. I've been into a Paul McCartney uh, mm. run lately, but uh, by, by by the title, I don't know that one. I'll, I'll I'm gonna literally I have iTunes. I'm gonna go listen to it as soon as we're done. It's early Beatles. <laughs> okay, deal. Uh, well, now that I before I embarrass myself further, thank you so much. It's, it's great to see you. <laughs> Uh, thank I, you for I, having me i i hope you're you edit like 90 percent of this so there's something of redeeming value for for your listeners no 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 I, that was awesome thank you so much we'll, we'll, we'll talk soon thanks ben you take care bye-bye all right many thanks to liz clark she's the best thank you guys for listening to the podcast you guys are the best as well again happy holidays stay safe uh we'll see what happens with the washington football team not sure if i'll have a podcast um, before the game, but we'll, we'll see what we can do. Um, you know, uh, who knows? Um, but that's it for now. Ben Standig signing off until next time. See ya.